if you will, to the Epistle to the Colossians. Colossians tonight. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter number 3 this evening. Good to have you in the Lord's house tonight. Colossians 3 and verse number 16. We're going to do some turning in the scriptures here for just a minute. But Colossians chapter number 3 and verse number 16. The Bible says here, it says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Take your Bibles over to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians, just us as one. Two, two books over to the left. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. It says now in verse number 18, it says, And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Go over to the Gospel of Mark. Now the Gospel of Mark. Fifteen. Psalms, Psalms, Psalms chapter number 96, Psalms chapter number 96. Uh, while you're going there, just stop at 100 before you get there. Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with... Anybody can read the next word? Singing. Good job. You can read. That's great. Psalm 96, verse number 1. Oh, what? What does that, that word there say? Sing unto the Lord a new song. What does it say again? Sing unto the Lord all the earth. What does it say in verse 2? Beginning, what does it say? Sing. There you go. Unto the Lord, bless his name, show forth his salvation from day to day, declare his glory among the heathen, his wonders among all people. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. Go over to Psalm 150. Psalm 150. It's our last one. Psalm 150. Here it is. 
read the whole song. Well, look at Psalm 149, too. <coughs> praise you, the Lord. Sing unto the Lord a new song. And praise in the congregation of the saints. And then verse number chapter number 150. Praise you, the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the permanent of his power. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the psaltery and harp. Praise him with the, with the timbrel and dance. Praise him with string instruments and organs. Praise him upon the loud cymbals. Praise him upon the high-sounding cymbals. Let everything that have breath praise the Lord. Let's say the last four together. What does it say? Praise ye the Lord. Uh, we've already read it, but the psalmist cried out in Psalm 96 and verse number 1. Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord all the earth. You know, I, I, we have been in this study. It's been a unique study for me. I've never done this before. Uh, but it's been a unique study. We've been, I don't know if you've picked up on this. I've tried not to rehash it every single time. But what I've been doing is we've been going through the three sixteens of the New Testament. Just all the three sixteens. And uh, it's really interesting how they, that every single one of these uh, three sixteens have a, a very uh, unique uh, a teaching that are connected with them. And this evening, we find in Colossians 3.16, we in Philippians last time, a couple weeks ago, before the revival. Uh, but in Colossians 3.16, he tells us, let the word of Christ dwell in us richly, and in doing so, teaching and admonishing one another in songs and psalms and hymns and in spiritual songs. And he's talking about singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord, like we did tonight. And that uh, that's what we were doing this evening, singing. That's why we come to the, uh, the Lord's house and sing together. I believe in congregational singing. All right? I believe in... Con uh, some churches have, have shied away from congregational singing. We don't want... We just want the, the singers on the stage. There's nothing wrong with singers. All right? The Bible uh, mentions that there were singers at times in the Old Testament. But I believe there is a, uh, a powerful... Uh, if you will, whenever God's people come together and they sing together. We sing together the praises of, uh, of the Lord. And, uh, and so uh, these songs we sing are, are good for us. That's congregational. It's, uh, uh, the good thing about congregational singing is that the 80-year-old and the 8-year-old are singing the exact same thing, and they're all on the same melody, the same rhythm, the same tune, and they know exactly what we're singing, and those are those words. Uh, it's, it's good for us all to be there in that one place. And so, but he says here in this passage, back in Psalm 96, he says, Oh, sing the Lord a new song. A new song. I believe that Christians, uh, all of us as Christians, should be singing new songs. New songs. Yeah, no doubt music in the church is a controversial subject. Uh, what style, what instruments, who can sing? All of those questions that are questions that uh, are debated, no doubt about it. But there should be one debate that we should all uh, not be involved in as believers, as Christians. And that is, is that our ears, though our flesh revolted, our ears should uh, learn to not gravitate and go towards and stay away from the sirens, if you will. Uh, everybody remember the sirens? Uh, those... Uh, 
those majestic voices that were coming, uh, and uh, and I don't even I can't even remember who it was that was riding on the boat towards them, and he stuffed his ears full, and they oh they, they tied him to the mast uh, uh, so that he wouldn't uh, that was of the Iliad and the Odyssey there, and, and uh, they wouldn't let him go any further, uh, they wouldn't let him go towards that horrible place, and it was the the reefs there that would wreck the ship the ship and uh, and the sirens of this world are not the ambulances and the firemen and all of those kinds of things. But the sirens of this world are uh, is the music that this world produces. The music that this world produces. And I'm really, I, I am not a musician. I don't know if you picked that out yet or anything like that, you know. I just get up here and I just belt it out as loud as I can and, and, and hope that maybe you can drown me out. You know, that's all I do. And uh, anybody can do that. Uh, and so I better be careful how I say that sometimes, you know. Uh, but uh, there was one uh, pastor one time, uh, he was looking for singers. And uh, there was a lady that read that uh, there were several ladies that had volunteered. And he walked in one day during uh, music practice. And one of the ladies that volunteered was terribly off-note. And the, music, the, the, the pianist was trying to play her loudest that she could. And, and finally the pastor said, uh, 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 Miss Wright, I, I hate to tell you this, but you're not, going to, you're, you're not able to sing. And she said, she said, oh, yes, I, I can sing. He said, no, Miss Wright, I, I, I really am sorry, but you're not able to sing. She said, no, I can sing. No, Miss Wright, you see, you can't sing. Okay, you, you just can't. I know there's some people that can't carry a tune in a bucket, and, uh, and we can't do that. But here's the point tonight, is that I'm not here to harp on rhythms or bass or melodies or upbeats or downbeats or tempos or anything like that. But all of us know, all of us know what worldly music is and what not worldly music is. All you have to do sometimes is just read the lyrics. Amen? Uh, the, uh, the NFL has really got themselves in a big mess, a huge mess right now, because they've just let go of one of the uh, head coaches and, uh, and uh, for some uh, discriminatory emails that he had written about 10 years ago. But the hypocrisy that has come out is this, is the discriminatory uh, lyrics that they allow some of their singers to sing uh, at their at their shows. And it's funny to me that, that that we can, as even as people of the world, can recognize when something is uh, hypocritical, if you will. They can recognize something that is worldly or that is not right. And the question we ask ourselves is this: Is this, what are we singing about? What kind of songs fill up our mouths? What do you and I sing about. Listen to what you sing. Hear what you sing. Uh, if you're not for sure, then uh, all of us can go to lyrics.com and find out the lyrics of the song that you are singing. It's there. Uh, but the world, the songs that they sing, uh, they want to sing about uh, all kinds of things. Love, that's another one thing. Everybody wants to hear about love, right? You know what I mean? Uh, we all want to sing about love and loving people and making love and being in love and loving this person, but also loving that person. Uh, they sing about money, fame, chaos, riches, fame, cars, uh, men, lovers. Uh, they sing about sex, drugs, alcohol. They sing about suicide and depression and uh, being down and out. They sing about great people, small people, little people, great people. Uh, they sing about famous people. They sing about all kinds of people. Uh, the thing is this, is that I'm just asking you tonight, sing up, listen to their words. 
I know that Willie Nelson has his Amazing Grace and his favorite famous hymns that he sings, and so does Alan Jackson. And I know that Elvis loved to sing the gospel songs, and Ray Charles began to sing it in the church, and so did Beyonce, okay? But here's the thing tonight. Let's not justify us listening to worldly music based upon what people have sung or can sing or sung in the past. But what are they singing now? What are they singing now? What are they putting out there? The world expresses itself through music. Alright? It expresses itself through music. It's what's pinned up inside of them that comes out of their musicians. And when somebody hears a song that they say to themselves, you know what? That's how I feel. That's how I feel. Well, that's how I want to feel. I enjoy this feeling that I get when I listen to this types of music. But you know what the Bible is teaching us here in Psalm James, Colossians 3.16? He says, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. You know what is, should be pent up inside of us, if you will? I can put it that way. It should be the Lord. What should be stored up inside of us? What should be uh, coming out of us? What is it that should be we should be filled with? What is it that we should be uh, uh, stored up with? And that is the Lord. And so that is what is in the heart should come out what is in out of the mouth. That's why I read to you Ephesians chapter 5 and verses number 18 and 19 where it says, uh, it says, be not drunk with wine or is in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Don't be controlled by the outward agent of alcohol, he's saying, but rather be controlled by the inward agent of the Holy Spirit of God that is working in your heart right now. And then you know what the very next verse is? He says, when you're controlled by the Spirit of God, he says, then speak in yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. You see, when we're filled up with the Spirit of God, but look here at verse number 15 or 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. It's not just being filled with the Spirit of God, but it's also being filled with the Word of God. When we're filled with the Spirit of God and the Word of God, what's going to come out of us is godly singing. That's a byproduct. It's a byproduct of our Christian life, and it should be. And when it's not, we have to ask ourselves, why is it? What am I putting in? What am I not digesting? What am I not being filled up with? Am I being uh, filled up with something else? Is there something else that's distracting me? Maybe it's not worldly music. Maybe it's depression. Maybe it's anxiety. Uh, maybe it's uh, a, a, a job that you have to do. Maybe it's a family situation. But why is why is why is godly music not coming out? Why am I not thinking about it? Maybe you're not listening to it. Could be a number of reasons behind those kinds of things, but tonight I just want us to see three simple points, and that is this. Why is our song different, and why is it a heavenly song, a spiritual song, a supernatural song? That's what the word spiritual means there. Well, number one, it's different in content. It's different in content. Uh, we see it, we've seen it already. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. You see, it's God's word in us. The word of God is why our songs are different than the world's songs. Is because our songs are to be coming from God's Word. Fill up here, he says, in verse number uh, 16, let the Word of Christ dwell in you. It's the idea of being filled up or filled to the brim is the idea. Uh, filled to the top. My cup is running over. Psalm 23 there. Uh, that's the idea of dwelling. We ought to be filled up with the Word of God. How much Word of God does it take for you to get filled up? How much? 
one verse, one chapter? What does it take to fill you up? I may I suggest to you tonight that it's not one verse, one chapter, it's not ten chapters. It's not a hundred chapters. You know what it is? It is you and I, every day, being in God's Word, and then meditating on the Word of God that we have read about. Thinking through what we have just read about. What did you read about this morning? Read something this morning? Did you try to grab a thought? Did you try to grab something that, that would that would kind of feed you throughout the day? That you could think on, that you could meditate on, that you could uh, that you could, if you will, I'm sorry to say it like this, but you could kind of regurgitate, you know what I mean? Get back up. You know, uh, I think that we need to be more like cows in our Christian life, isn't that? So you just call me, and sometimes it's on a Wednesday night, you have to call people cows to get them awake, okay? So, all right, I know that doesn't sell well with women, okay, all right, all right, all right, but, uh, all right, men, now I was going to say, you be pigs, but that doesn't work out at all, so uh, that analogy fails, uh, but uh, you be giraffes, okay? They have, they have the same thing, or deer, or venison, whatever you want, not venison, okay? You get the idea. You, 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 you take it in, and then you bring it back up throughout the rest of the day. You think about what was uh, what was said, what was done. That is why our songs are different than the world songs, because those songs of the world is that, that is that when we're filled up with those, what happens to us? Well, it produces what those songs are talking about. It produces actions of the flesh. But whenever you are filled up with the Word of God, Psalm 119, 165 teaches us this. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend it. Nothing shall offend the word, the word of Christ enables you to have peace. Enables you to have comfort. It enables you to not be stressed out or have anxiety. It enables you to, uh, to have a life that is filled to the brim with God and His Word. What are these songs are meant to do? These songs are meant to teach us. Now, Understand this: that the, nothing can supplement this word. Nothing can uh, take the place of this word. Okay, but godly music is meant to supplement the word. It is meant to assist the word, because he says there in the passage, he says what? He says, "Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly." He says, "Teaching and admonishing you." You know what the songs do that we sing? They they teach us. They teach us. They teach us things. They teach us doctrine. Uh, the word here, uh, teaching, is the idea of that they ascribe positive affirmation to the truth. They lift up the truth. They bolster the truth. They come along truth and hold its arm and say, you're coming with me. I'm going to, I'm going to hold you up. They're there to admonish us. That means to reprimand us or to caution us. Spur us into Christian action to pray, to soul winning, to praise, to live holy lives is what they're there for. I mean, just think about the song that we just sang, Set My Soul Afire, Lord, for the lost in sin, right? I mean, why are we singing that? Because it's number 861 and we said, let's sing it tonight? Or is that actually a good hymn? Millions grope in darkness. You know? Set my soul afire, Lord, for my daily life. Right? If you thought about the words, if you just meditated on those words, I mean, that could be a real blessing to you, a help to you. That's what it's meant to be. 
But what do the world's songs do? They teach you the exact opposite. The world's lyrical songs uh, may teach you to fornicate or to hate or to get drunk or some even teach you to kill yourself or to have an affair or to be selfish or to hate God or to hate others. Or sometimes they're just trivial rhymes that mean nothing. I remember, I think it was when I was in my maybe uh, late teens or early 20s, I, was, I don't even know what song it was, but I can remember looking up a song and trying to find the meaning behind it. What is the meaning behind it? And I came to find out that the song had no meaning. It literally had no meaning whatsoever. I even read the artist who wrote it, and, I, and guess what? I found out that he, had, he literally wrote it because that's just what came to his mind. It had no meaning. It had no, it had no substance behind it whatsoever. But understand this is that God's singing, the words that we sing don't have unknown melodies and they aren't to be sung in secret. We don't try to veil our songs in obscurity or darkness, my friend. Uh, listen to the one song that I just was singing. I really think about this song. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. <laughs> There's no obscurity there, is there? What about how great thou art? Any obscurity in that song? No, none whatsoever. It means what it says. It says what it means. I heard the spiritual song today. Lift up the cross. Carry the light of the gospel. Always proclaim God's holy, unchangeable word. Weep for the lost. Pray that they will heed to the Spirit's call. Preach to all men until every ear has heard. I tell you, that almost sounds like somebody getting up and preaching the word of God, doesn't it? And that's what songs are. We're full of the Word of God. We're full of the Holy Spirit of God. And when these two are working within our hearts, guess what we'll find out? Is that we might wake up tomorrow morning and start singing a little hymn, a little melody. Wouldn't that be great? You're working in the shop. Maybe you're working uh, at your at your office at desk. Maybe you're doing something tomorrow on roof or somewhere. And, and you know what? All of a sudden, you just that little step, that little. Maybe you don't even know all the words, but you just start. You just say, "All you know is set my soul afire, Lord." <laughs> I mean, that's all you know. But you know, I mean, you're singing it. You know, somebody that doesn't know a song. Set my soul afire. Thank you for everything me. You know, but you're trying to. Amen. That's that's good. Amen. Get it in there. Get it in your heart. Because that's the Holy Spirit of God. That's the Word of God. It's different in content, but it's also different in style. The worldly songs and Christian songs are different in two different ways, in many different ways, but they're different in style. And now I don't have to really preach much on this because he tells us what they're like. They're psalms, they're hymns, they're spiritual songs. That's what a Christian song is. The word psalm is the idea of a, or excuse me, a song put to music. There's nothing wrong with uh, having Christian songs with music. Did you just read Psalm 150 with me? Right? I mean, I mean they explain all kinds of all kinds of instruments there. Nothing wrong with that. In fact, in the early church days, uh, a lot of times all they sang were the songs. That was the only thing they sang. Didn't sing anything else. Some even still do that today. He says, sing hymns. Those are religious songs. Those are songs that we sing in church. Those are these teaching songs. These are contemplative songs. Songs that are made there for us to teach us, to admonish us, and for us to think over. And then you have songs that are spiritual in nature or supernatural songs. Songs that, are, uh, songs that are, are, are there to fill our minds with good and godly things so that we may be able to think clearly about who God is and what He's done for us. 
That's why our hymn books even say all that. Uh, living hymns, psalms, hymns, and song, spiritual songs of the faith. I don't know if you've ever seen the front of that right there. That's what it said. A psalm, we, are, we sing sometimes, we sing psalms in our, in our, in our, it doesn't, a psalm doesn't have to be a psalm, it could just be any portion of scripture that's put to a tune. Our children know some of those songs. I knew some of those, I grew up on some of those songs, those scripture psalms, they call them. That's good. But it's so sad to see sometimes when a person is depressed or down and out, and instead of listening to a Christian, I should say, instead of listening to Christ-honoring, Christ-uplifting music, and, but in fact, they turn to like Proverbs chapter number 25 and verse number 20 when it says, As he that taketh away a garment in cold weather, and as vinegar upon nitrate, so is he that singeth songs to a heavy heart. Uh, I mean, there's nothing worse than some depressive melody. You know what I mean? Somebody that's got a heart, that's got a... Why is it sometimes whenever we're depressed, we're anxiety, we, why do we want to we flee to something that is depressive, you know? We want to increase our depression. We need to run to uplifting music, Christ-honoring music. The songs of the Lord are spiritual in nature. Take your Bibles over to the book of Amos. I know it's a weird book to turn to, to be thinking about singing maybe, but this Old Testament prophet has something to say to us about singing in songs. It says in Amos chapter 6 and verse number 1. It says, Woe to them that are at ease in Zion and trust in the mouth of Samaria, which are named chief of the nations to whom the house of Israel came. Pass ye unto Kelma and see it from henceforth go to Hamath and the, the great and then go down to Gath the Philistines. Be they better than the kingdoms or their border greater than, their, than your border? He that put far away the, the evil day and calls the seed of violence to come near, that lie upon beds of ivory and stretch yourselves out upon couches and eat the lambs of the flock and the calves of the midst of the stall. What he's saying is this. He's saying that he's saying these people in Israel, I mean, I mean, they're living wickedly, ungodly, but they're just kind of taking it easy. They're acting like nothing is wrong. Nothing is wrong. It's like the Proverbs that say the says about the prostitute, the whore is the way that it's the way of words there. It said the harlot, I think is the way it says. She goes in, she comes out. She wipes her mouth and says, I've done no evil. You know? That's the kind of way these people live. I mean, they live ungodly. Just, and it's, he says, and then they just keep on going on like nothing But look at verse 5. This is where I want you to see. That chant to the sound of the viol, or a musical instrument, and invent to themselves instruments of music like David that drink wine in bowls and anoint themselves with the chief ointments, but they are not grieved for the affliction of Joseph. He's teaching us here about these people, these that were singing, but they were singing in an ungodly way. The same pains which David employed on the music to honor the Lord and Savior, to honor his God, the same music that David had made, he made instruments of music to praise the Lord. Those same instruments these people had crafted to praise their gods and to sing. Ungodly music. One author said, much as people have justified or are degraded, sensualizing, immodest dance by the religious dancing of the Holy Scripture. 
Have you ever, ever, ever run into somebody that, well, the Bible says, you know, David danced before the Lord, you know? And they try to justify some ungodly dancing with the dancing that David had. I, I, it doesn't make any sense, you know? I mean, we've got to be so careful that we don't say, well, I'm going to justify my listening to this music because A, B, and C, even though you know it's wrong. As he elevated the character and powers of perhaps his rude instruments, uh, David did. He suited these instruments to the service of the Lord. But these people did not. But instead they used their instruments for their own luxuries and their own sensuality. And I ask us, are we any better in our day today or not? We're not any better. Has anything changed? Do people do the exact same thing? The problem is this, is that the church is still in many ways trying to culturally adapt to the music that you hear on Bob FM. It's trying to fit in with the world. You say, well, our church doesn't do that. But yeah, it might not. And we don't want to go that direction. Because when one of the earliest stages of a church falling is where they fall in their music. And when they lose, when they lose it in the music, then guess what next comes right behind the music? It's right here. The Bible. The Bible. It's a steady downgrade. We need to be so careful. It might not be in our church, but it's in our homes. Is it preset in our cars? Is it in our CDs? Is it in our Apple Music? Well, what is it that you're listening to? Because God's music, the music that we ought to be enjoying and listening and singing and lifting up is is different in content. It's based on the Word of God. It's different in style of songs, hymns, and spiritual songs. And finally, it's different in audience. It's different in audience. Notice what it says here in Colossians 3.16. He says, Teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts. You want to read the last three words to me? To the... Lord. To the Lord. Music in the church, I believe, should employ all the normal methods of music. Rhythms, melodies, harmonies, timing, arrangements, all of those kinds of things. You know, I, I don't I, I think that some of the early church fathers and whenever they thought that you know only chanting would be allowed, I, I think that's uh, I don't believe that's correct. I believe it's correct as, as one large uh, particular denomination says that you shouldn't have any uh, musician, musical instruments at all in the Church of Christ. And I believe that's right. According to our word here that he tells us that we ought to employ songs with stringed instruments. But I do believe that the music that we do sing ought to be to the Lord. To the Lord. And that ought to be the litmus test, if you will, in the songs that you sing. Can I sing this to the Lord? Can I sing it to the Lord? Would you stand at the judgment seat of Christ and sing that to God? Would you sing that to God? Don't I'm not judging your music. You judge your own music. You, you judge what you think. Would you sing that to God? 
Would you, would you, would you say, well, I can't sing? Well, would you play it in front of God? Would you play that in front of the Lord? On judgment seat day. What I'm saying here tonight is that our hearts are what's really the issue. The Bible says very plain, Jesus said in the book of Mark, he said, or excuse me, the book of Luke, he says, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the heart is mouth speaking. His mouth speaking. And then when it comes to the issue of music, why is it such a controversial subject? Why is it whenever a preacher will sometimes get up and preach on music, they, you know, you almost hear crickets sometimes, you know what I mean? Or why is it? Why is that? It's because music affects the heart. And, and, and if we're all very honest with ourselves, and we have any past whatsoever of being involved in worldly music, uh, it's it's a draw. And you can be drawn back to it. It's like those sirens. But here's the deal. Is that just like those sirens and the alien and the odyssey, then my friend, guess what? It will lead you, it will lead you to destruction and hurt, sadness, sorrow, hurtfulness. It definitely is not going to build your spiritual life. Psalm 96 1 says again, it says, sing unto the Lord a new song, but it says sing unto the Lord. I don't even have to deal with the word new. Just sing unto the Lord. Sing unto the Lord. Do we sing to God? Hey, play an instrument. That's great. Amen? I love it when people play, have, a, have a talent for an instrument. And they, and they use it for the glory of God. That's an amazing thing. It's great. I think there ought to be more of it. But let us realize that there is there is a separation. And that we ought to see that separation. 1 Corinthians 10, verse number 20 says, But I say that the things that the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to God. I would not that you should have fellowship with devils. He's telling them, he says, guys, listen, there is a difference between what you're eating and what you're told, what you're, what's being put in front of you. There is a difference. Let's just not, let's, none of us pretend he's talking about here these, this meat that was sacrificed to idols. And he said, he said, listen to me. He said, don't get confused here. There is a difference here. And I'm not in here to get into all of that, but listen to verse 21. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. You cannot be partakers of the Lord table and the table of the devils. Do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? What if we just took that and applied it to music? Said, you know what? What, what am I? I'm coming in here. I'm going to sing to the Lord. But I, do I, am I just supposed to sing to God at, at church, or is that all the time? Well, last time I checked, I'm a Christian all the time. I'm a Christian all the time. Let us, he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let His Word dwell in you. Let His Holy Spirit fill you and me. And then let Him teach us and admonish us with these songs that we have been given. 
If you want access to good, godly Christian music, I can give you hundreds of, of, of artists and people that I can give you access to. It's out there, okay? I understand. It's going to take some getting used to if you're not used to listening to Christian music. You know why? Because your palate is adjusted to something else. I used to not like tomatoes. I'll close with this. In fact, some of you might remember some sermons that I preached on not liking mustard. I did not like I, I did not like mustard. I can tell by Amber's expression that she doesn't like it either. You know? How many of you are sickened by mustard? You know what I mean? Amen? It's a good way to end this. So I'm going to light the mood here a little bit. You know, it's a couple of tents here a little bit, so it's okay. I'm all right with that. Oh, it's a lot to digest, okay? Listen, I went, to, I went to college at 18 years old, and I listened to some of the worst music you can listen to. When I got there, and I'm hearing all this preaching on music, my heart was so hard to those kinds of things. I didn't want to listen to that kind of stuff, okay? I mean, listen, I'm not saying that's you, I'm saying that's me, okay? So, I, I used to not like much But you know what? I had a buddy of mine that said, you all to try mustard on a sausage on, some, on a salsa bread. I said, I hate mustard. He said, just try a little bit. Just a little bit. Now, understand, I used to be the guy. They, they served me mustard, and I'd and I drop a mustard on a, hot, on a hamburger. I'd be like, I would eat it. i go, there's mustard on it. I don't want it to send it back. So I tried it, and guess what? I didn't like it. But you know what I did? I tried it again. I tried it a little bit more. And though I am not the world's number one mustard fan at this point in my life, you know what? I like mustard. Harris makes some of the best mustard pork chops you could ever eat. They are so good. I love those things. But you know what? Had to be adjusted was my palate. My tongue. So my palate will never adjust to mustard. Maybe not. But you know what I do believe? Is that if you're a Christian and you love the Lord, Love his word, you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God, you know what? God will adjust your talent to good godly Christian music. He will adjust it. He will change it. He will change it. And perhaps in 10 years, like I have done in my life, I've gone back and I've heard some songs that I used to listen to in the past, and I would say to myself, I can't believe I'd ever even listen to something like that. I can't believe I would even. Listen to those words, those wicked, those, those terrible things they're saying. Let us all be a judge of our own selves. Let us all judge our own music. Let us present that music to God. Say, God, are you pleased? Sing unto the Lord of the Lord. Father, we're thankful for the word of God.